one of those Sundays already where uh, I get up here and I feel like we done had church already. Um, but God's got more to say and do. And uh, Joe, I just want to tell you that you just preached my sermon before I got up here. So if you feel like this is a repeat, it's her fault, not mine. Um, you know, it's, it's, I talk about this on a pretty regular basis. It's no secret if you've, if you've been with us or you were with us last week that we're starting the book of James today. And we're going to dive into verses 2 through 4 today. And it talks about joy in the midst of trials. Okay, and, and I don't know if you've picked up on this yet or not, but God's already been speaking that theme through all the testimonies this morning and then through the music. And it's no accident that God's doing that. We don't have planning meetings. I'm not going and cherry picking people and saying, hey, I want you to share a testimony about this today because that's what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit's doing all that. And I can't wait for you guys to kind of see that bloom as we move through the message today. I've been thinking about this message a lot um, all week, and I, I can't wait to share with you what God's put on my heart because this has been... Um, one of those weeks that's just hard for a lot of different reasons, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but if you weren't here last week, we introduced the, this new study we're going to do on the book of James. And we're, we're looking at this book in a very particular way. Often when people look at the book of James, they see it as a list of ways that we should act as believers. And I want to kind of counter that and say that I think what James was saying is that if you are growing in your faith, this is what your life will look like. Do you see the difference there? So we're not going to this book and looking for a checklist of how we should act. We're using this book more of a litmus test of I am growing in my faith in Jesus and as a result, my life is beginning to look this way. Does that make sense to everybody? So that's how we're, we're moving in here. So our goal as we study this is to develop true faith. Okay, that's what we're looking for. And I love uh, the artwork that Alex did for us and the imagery that it brings. I love, and I didn't tell Alex, this is what I want. I just said, we're studying the book of James and I feel like God's going to have us focus on true faith. And this is what the Holy Spirit did through Alex. And I love the imagery of a man that is on a journey or a woman could be either one. Our journey of faith is much like climbing a mountain. There's going to be areas where there's gentle slopes, there's going to be steep hills, there's going to be sheer faces, there's going to be these gorges that are in front of us, uh, ravines, if you will. And no matter where you are in your faith journey, it doesn't matter if you're just a new believer, if you're not a believer yet, or if you've been a believer your whole life, all of us have one thing in common, and that's that we need to continue to grow. True faith never stops growing. We learned last week that this letter was written by James, the brother of Jesus, specifically to the Messianic Jews. And what that means is it's people of the Jewish faith who heard the good news of Jesus Christ and chose to believe that he was the promised Messiah. Not all Jews believe, not all Jews believe that. But these specific ones, James is writing this letter to. And remember that these people had gone through a lot, not just in the three years of Jesus's ministry with Roman occupation and all of that stuff. If we go back and we look, we see that, that for three or 400 years, God had not spoken through any prophets and the people that were leading their faith are the ones that they just witnessed call for and oversee the crucifixion of the person that they believed to be the Messiah. Are you feeling that? This is significant. What they are struggling with is hard. You have, do you know anybody that, that comes to you and they want to share something with you, but they just beat around the bush forever? 
You know anybody like that? Like you can tell by their body language, by the tone that they're using, that something significant is trying to get out of them, but they just can't get there. They just keep talking around it and they don't get to the meat of the matter. Do you know anybody like that? That's not what James is doing. James is diving right into the deep end and we're fixing to look at that. We're going we're gonna to approach this letter with the understanding that James's intent was to communicate with these new believers what authentic, true faith looked like because what he knows from his own personal experience is that the people that they had been looking up to were the ones that just crucified Jesus. And so he's saying there is a disconnect between what we thought we understood about what it meant to be a follower of God and what Jesus tells us it looks like to be a follower of God. James had spent his whole life watching Jesus and had come to understand what Jesus meant when he told them to abide. And these things that he describes in this letter are the result of true faith that only comes through an abiding relationship. Carrie sent me this quote yesterday, and I love it. It says, obedience is the fruit of faith, patience the bloom of the fruit. That's beautiful imagery. James starts this letter off by immediately addressing the trials and the suffering that the church was currently experiencing. As we move through this letter, we're going to see what James means by various trials. I'm not going to try to define those this morning, but you know in your own life those trials. We've heard some testimony about some of those this morning. We don't need a comprehensive list of things that we struggle with in life. We got that. We understand it. We live in it, okay? Today, we're going to look at just verses 2 through 4, and in particular, we're going to think about what it means to have joy in the midst of hardship and how we grow through those kinds of experiences. And I want to frame today's message around a single question. And my hope is that you can answer this question when we get done today. So here's what I want us to think about today is, how much joy do you want? Now, that seems like a simple question. But if you've read the book of James recently, you know that this is a trick question. If you haven't read the book of James recently, you've probably heard the phrase, don't pray for patience. Right? Because that's also a tricky thing. Because how does God teach you patience? He puts you in opportunity to practice that patience. I love Lizzie's testimony this morning and how God was continually keeping that idea of loving like Jesus in the forefront of her mind. Thank you for sharing that today. That's significant. Asking this question based on what James says about joy in trials is like praying for patience. And I think that this is a question that not only we should ask, but I think if we ask the question, how much joy do I want, it's going to change our life. And you'll be able to answer that honestly by the time we get done today. So look at these first, or the, let's just look at verse 2. We'll start there today. James says this, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. We're going to stop right there. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials, that is a strange thing to say. These first five words, consider it a great joy, are important ones. The first one uh, is one that is translated into English, and, and it's a word that I happen to love. It's, it can be translated as consider, but can also be translated in a good hillbilly word, reckon. Okay, I like that word. That's a good word. We don't use that word a lot. But here's what it means. You see, I skipped forward in my notes a little bit. Reckon means to consider 
or regard in a specific way. To, to consider or regard in a specific way. This entire letter is full of wise words on what it looks like to live when we're in an active and healthy relationship with God. And James opens it up immediately by addressing the elephant in, room, in the room. He knows that this church is struggling. He knows that they believe that Jesus was their Messiah. They know that he just died for their sins. He was resurrected, which is a great thing. But he's no longer here with them. And that's hard. James is telling them that as they face trials that come through life, they need to approach it in a specific way. So when he's saying, consider it a great joy, he's saying just what Joe was saying this morning. Joe, what was that prayer? What did God tell you to tell yourself? Today is a great day to trust me. That's starting your day in a specific way. The first thing I want us to think about is that we need to decide in advance that you're going to experience, what you're going to experience today will bring great joy. Okay? So the, the first sub point for today, the first thing we need to do in order to answer the question of how much joy do I want is to decide that I want joy. Sub point one today is decide to be joyful. Proceeding forward, choosing in advance that whatever is going on will be a joyful experience. This is not a prosperity, name it and claim it kind of message. We're not trying to twist something that's difficult in such a way that it no longer feels difficult. It's simply a state of mind that as I struggle, I'm going to look for what God is doing, knowing that what he is doing is going to be for my good in the end. Carrie sent me this from one of his devotionals yesterday morning. It's an excerpt from Upmost. It says, the only thing that will enable me to enjoy adversity is the acute sense of eagerness of allowing the life of the Son of God to evidence itself in me. No matter how difficult something may be, I must say, Lord, I am delighted to obey you in this. Instantly, the Son of God will move to the forefront of my life and will manifest it in my body, that which glorifies him. The attitude that we choose, and yes, attitude is a choice. You get to decide that. The attitude that we choose determines the outcome of the situation that we're facing. I want you to think about that for a minute. There are going to be many trials over the course of your life and of mine. And if we can allow the Holy Spirit to work through us by choosing to look for joy, those trials will transform us into God's likeness. That's what James is talking about. I can't help think about my dad when I'm discussing this. As a matter of fact, he and I talked through this yesterday. As most of you know, I have a niece that received a pretty bleak diagnosis before she was born. If you don't know this story, I have a niece named Lily um, who, before she was born, they did some ultrasounds and they discovered that she did not have a diaphragm. And the diaphragm is a muscle that separates your intestines from where your lung and your heart is. And because it wasn't there, her intestines were up where her lungs should have been and her lungs couldn't fully develop. And as you can imagine, my brother and his wife were devastated when they got the news. All of us were. And apparently that's not a terribly uncommon thing because the, the Methodist Children's Hospital in Houston has a team of specialists that deals specifically with that. And there's a sort of lottery that they could enter and maybe have a chance to have an experimental surgery before the baby's even born to repair the diaphragm so that the baby could continue to, to develop in the mother's womb and be born in such a way that things develop the way they're supposed to. But due to the severity of her case, this wasn't possible and they didn't qualify. 
There was a ton of fear and anxiety around her birth. But my dad was insistent that everything would be fine. Like, igno- like annoyingly insistent. Like to the point that you want, I wanted to say, Dad, just stop. Let us, let us be in this moment and feel how we feel. And he's like, no, everything's going to be fine. But he was right. Here we are years later and Lily is doing great. Running around with all the rest of the cousins. I'll be honest, for a long time I thought that my dad just had blind optimism. But looking back, I think, or I realize, I don't think I know, that he had faith that I didn't have yet. My dad chose to put his worry about his granddaughter in God's hand and chose to be joyful in that process. And that joy and faith overflowed into my brother, into my sister-in-law, into our family, and everybody else that asked my dad about how Lily was doing. While the journey wasn't easy, there was a lot of joy in the midst of it. What I had not considered until this week as I was preparing for this message is that my dad has had way more life experiences than I have. That he's had more opportunities to put his faith in God and experience God's hand. Now, none of us had ever been through anything like that. But all of his life experiences had told him that God was more than capable of handling this situation. And he faced that trial, that challenge, with joy. He knew God's faithfulness in a way that I did not. And it didn't make sense to me at the time, but as I look back, I see God's work in my life and in my family's life. Our faith is stronger because my dad's faith informed us on how we ought to approach the situation. My dad's faith informed us about the truth of God's faithfulness in our lives. So how do we experience joy in the middle of a trial like that or like the ones that you face? If we're asking, how much joy do I want? How do I get from the pain and sting of hardship into the joy? How do we do that? How do we make that jump from pain and hurt to joy? In my experience, there have been times when making that jump seemed impossible for me. Second sub-point I want to talk about today is that lamenting is a vital step in moving toward joy. Now, again, lamenting is not a word that we use a lot in our day-to-day language, but it's an important one. We see the book of Psalms. I just finished reading a new book that Russ wrote, Russ Meek wrote recently about the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you, if you hadn't got a copy of it, it's a short read, but he tells a lot of his story and how that book helped him to process the trauma and the grief that he grew up in. Lamenting means to passionately express grief or sorrow. And I bring this up today because I don't think James is telling the church to ignore the way they feel. He isn't telling them that they're not allowed to feel sorrow in the midst of their trials. In fact, being honest with yourself and with God about how you feel is a big part of being, being able to move forward into joy. It's recognizing where you are. If you never process how you feel the way that you do, you can't really move to joy if you don't deal with the feelings. Think about this in any other problem of life. We'll use a car for an example. If you're driving along the road and your car starts making a funny noise, what do you do? you got two choices. You can either ignore it and hope that it will go away. Newsflash, it will not. Or... You can either troubleshoot it yourself and figure out what the problem is or bring it to somebody who has that skill set and let them do it. Either way you go, the answer is not to ignore the problem. 
It's not going to go away. And the same is true in our own lives. When we're facing trials, ignoring the trial is not going to make it go away. And that's not what James is telling the church to do. Rather, addressing the problem so that a solution can be found and taken care of is the route that we need to go. James goes on to say this in verse 3. Look at this with me. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So he says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters. When you go through various trials, consider it a great joy because you know that the testing of your faith will create endurance. We don't like to talk about it, but when we're going through difficult things, God is doing something in us. It is part of the process of our sanctification. Mickey shared this verse in a group text yesterday, and I want to preface this verse with this. This is one of those like coffee cup verses that makes people feel good. But when somebody like Mickey, and we're going to address this even more in a little bit, when somebody like Mickey, who's gone through the things that Mickey has gone through, shares this verse with you, it comes with more weight. And this is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That's a good coffee cup verse. But when you've suffered through a lot of different trials, and then you share that verse with somebody else, Mickey has understood that verse in a way that a lot of us in this room have not yet. Her faith is in a different place because of what she's endured. We're going to talk about this more in a minute, but I want to show you that James and Paul are pointing to the same thing. The stuff that's going on in our lives, whether it's good or bad, is being used by God to make us more like Jesus. James goes on to say in verse 4, And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. James says to face your trial, deciding in advance to be joyful, and through that you're going to grow. And the only way we can grow during our trials is if we learn. And we can only learn if we dig into what's going on and ask God to show us what he's doing in the midst of that trial. I know that you've probably heard me reference Glenn saying this, or maybe you've heard him say it yourself, but he's, he talks about all the time about when life goes wrong, he gets really excited. When life is going wrong, he gets really excited because he knows God's in the middle of doing something. And I'll be honest with you, I am not there yet. That is not my response. I'm more of the panic first, think later stage of my faith journey. I know I'm not alone in that by the giggles, Okay. You know the only way for you and I to grow beyond the panic stage of processing is? If we have faith and endure the things that God's put in front of us. Listen to this verse again. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let that endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Remember how I said this was like praying for patience? God will grow your faith and your ability to endure as we experience the trials of living in a broken world. If we're abiding, God is going to work in our lives. Very often the process of growing is going to include some difficulty. Sometimes they're not even going to be our difficulties. We're going to be in the middle of somebody else's. A significant part of our personal faith journey 
is by walking with others as they face their own trials. So this is the third subpoint today is that enduring the suffering of others builds our faith as well. Some of you know this story and some don't. But it perfectly illustrates what God is speaking to us this morning if we look at James. And I asked, I'm going to tell a story today about T.J. Bryant. And Bethany texted him yesterday because I told her last night I'm going, to, I'm going to share his story today. She's like, I should probably ask him first. I was like, yeah, you're smarter than me. That's a good idea. Nobody's surprised by that. So she texted T.J. Stop laughing at me, Mickey. Jeez. She texted T.J. and said, hey, Mr. Will wants to share this story in the morning at church. Are you okay with that? And he said... How is it? You can say my name a thousand times. Today is my, tomorrow's my day. And you'll, you'll get that in a minute. Many of you probably remember TJ. He and his siblings have come here for years. And this is his senior year. Okay? If you know TJ, you know that his life is very similar to a lot of the other kids that we minister to in our community. Life is hard for him. Hard in a way that none of us have ever experienced. And for the last seven years or so, he's had to rely on our church for numerous aspects of his life. And as you can imagine, there are all kinds of difficulties that come with living life that way. And none of that was by choice on his part. School has been a specific struggle for him. And Friday, he got an email from the school saying, congratulations, you've completed all your coursework. Come pick up your cap and gown. You get to graduate and walk. Man, he texted Bethany, and I'm talking about we're celebrating. That's a big deal for him. That's huge. So he goes to the school and he gets there and he goes and he finds the counselor and she says, whoa, hold on. We're still waiting on a test result back and until we get that, we're not sure if you're going to get to walk or not. And she sent him home. Church, to say that we were, I was devastated and it wasn't even me. Heartbreaking. And so he calls Bethany and he tells her what's going on and she does what Bethany does. She immediately picks up the phone and starts calling Peabody, and nobody will answer the phone. So she gets in her car and drives half an hour to Peabody and rings the doorbell and knocks on the door. Even there's a few student athletes that are waiting to get picked up. And it's like, hey, how do I get in? And they try to help her, and nobody will respond inside the school building. So she calls me on the way home feeling defeated, and she's like, I don't know what else to do. And I was like, my boss is connected. Let me ask him if he knows somebody on the school board. So I went and asked Steve, and he's like, I don't. Just go over there. The office is right there. I was like, Brilliant. Why don't I think of that? So I jump in my truck and I roll up right at four o'clock, which is when the school board office opens. And I go in the door and there's a lady walking out as I'm walking in and she kind of looks at me. She's like, can I help you? And I said, you look so familiar. Where do I know you from? And, and, and I said, I'm Will Butterfield. And she's like, oh, hey, it's, it's Cheryl Lindsay. Oh my gosh. She and I, I was a kid when we went to church together, but I knew her from my previous church history. And she said, can I help you with something? I was like, I think, I don't know. I don't know if you're the right person. I don't know who the right person is. Here's what's going on. And so I just shared that story. And I said, this young man, he needs people to advocate for him. Something's going on and we need some help figuring out the problem. She's like, well, that's not my department. Let me see if I can find somebody. So she goes and finds the director of child welfare for the Rapids Parish School Board. And so she comes out and I tell her the story. And she's like, is this information accurate? To the best of my knowledge, yes. But I, I, I don't... I don't know 100%. There's been a miscommunication somewhere, I think. I just need some help, some clarification. So she calls the school counselor on the phone. She's standing in front of me. And the school counselor gives her a different reason than she gave TJ about why he could not graduate. And she hangs up the phone. 
It's 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon and graduation is today. I said, what can we do? And she said, Ms. Butterfield, this is Friday afternoon on graduation weekend. There's nothing we can do. She said, there's a couple of people you can email. They're probably not going to check it, but you can try. Okay. So we sent the emails. I get home that night, and I'll be honest with you. I needed to write this sermon today for me. I needed to write this today for TJ. Because here's a young man who has done his very best in his 17 years of life. Some of it's his fault. A lot of it's not. Friday night was a rough night at our house. I get up Saturday morning hopeful. I check my email. No response. I had some chores to do. I go and do that. Sunday at noon, I check my email. I mean, Saturday at noon, I check my email. No response. Now, we had been invited to a cookout with their family to celebrate. I guess about 3 o'clock, Bethany gets a text from TJ, and it's a yard sign that says that he's a graduate of 2022. And she calls me and goes, wait, what's going on? And he said, the principal called my mom and said, tell TJ to come to the school. I need to see him. Now, this is Saturday afternoon. And he gets there, and the principal says, we've double-checked your records. You do have the credits you need to graduate. Here's your cap and gown. Yes! So Bethany and I finish getting ready, and we go to this cookout, and we hang out with his family, and we get to celebrate with them. And we're, we're getting ready to go. We've been there for a couple of hours, and his aunt comes to pick him up and bring him home. And Bethany had met the aunt before she had not met me, and she said, and she introduced me. She's like, wait, are you the guy that sent all the emails? Yes, yes I was. Apparently they worked. <laughs> I don't know how. And I don't want the credit for that. I want God to have the credit for that. Because I didn't do anything that I wouldn't do for anybody else. In the midst of all of that, I'm so thankful for you guys. For those of you that come on Wednesday nights, Bethany's got a group text. I don't know, there's like 14 people in that. She texts all the time about what's going on in the kids' lives, about what's happening on Wednesdays and Thursday nights. And all during the middle of that, she's texting you guys, and y'all are praying for him. And I'm seeing it. My phone's blowing up constantly, and I love it. All of us were praying, but we had literally done all that we could do. And as of Saturday morning, nothing had changed. And... All of TJ's family said as we spoke, God did this. And they're not wrong. Isn't it interesting how God works in our hearts? None of us, other than our love for the Bryant family, if you take that out of the equation, none of us would have been affected in any way if TJ did not graduate today. Yet, we are so invested in his struggle with him What's happening in his life is having a huge effect on us emotionally and spiritually and even physically. Churches, we live in community. As we abide in Christ, our lives are transformed by what we see happening not just in our lives but the lives of the people around us because we're facing trials not just on our own but together. The really cool thing is that this is not the only story of our church doing stuff like this. 
There are so many of you in our body that have given up so much to help others. You regularly lay down your own comfort and desires in order to follow God's guidance. Many of you do it knowing that, there's gonna, that what you are doing in obedience to God is going to create a hardship in your life and you do it anyway. Not because it's a good thing to do, but because, because our faith has revealed to us the goodness of God. And even when it's hard, God is going to do something for our good and for the good of people around us. Church, James is saying to the people he's writing this letter to that instead of trying to avoid trials, dive into them with determination to find the joy that God intends for you. I was reading a Charles Spurgeon sermon on this passage this week, and he said something very, very similar. This passage is not just about our suffering. Charles Spurgeon says this, beginning with the word brethren, James shows a true brotherly sympathy with believers in their trials. And this is a main, the main part of our Christian fellowship. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If we are not tempted ourselves at this moment, others are. Let us remember them in our prayers, for in due time our turn will come and we, will, we shall put it into the crucible. God created us to live in community. And when we do that, even in the hard stuff, we all grow. My faith has grown this week because I got to see God do what we thought was impossible in TJ's life. I didn't enjoy being stretched this week. Friday night was terrible. Terrible. But man, the joy that we are experiencing now. We're going to go at 3 o'clock this afternoon, 3 o'clock, right? To the Coliseum. I don't think you need a ticket. If you want to come yell your head off like a fool with us, come on. Okay, we'll get some seats. Nobody likes trials, church, but through them, God shows us what he is able to do, and he reveals to us what, we're, what we are able to endure if we trust him. He uses those difficulties to grow us. So consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let that endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So I ask you again, how much joy do you want? I want it all. I want every bit of it. I have experienced firsthand this week the highs, the lows, and the highs again. And it's been a roller coaster, and it's been exhausting. But in the end, I have been given greater joy. I am more excited about TJ's graduation today than I was a week ago. Because God did something amazing in his life, and I got to see it and be a part of it. So the question is, how much do you want? Are you willing to decide at the outset to be joyful, to lament and process what's going on, and then suffer personally as well as with others? If so, God is going to pour out his joy in your life. There's another question we need to ask. What if you're in a situation that's bigger than you are and you don't know where to go or how to deal with it? What if you've talked to people about it and they don't know how to deal with it either? That's a good question, but we're going to talk about that next week. Okay? Actually, in two weeks, because next week we've got something special happening. But this week, here's what I want us to do. Ask God in the middle of your trials 
to show him, to show you, for him to show you, that's what I'm trying to say. Ask God for him to show you what he's up to. And decide in advance, whatever the outcome is, you're going to find the joy in it as you walk in obedience to the Father. Make the decision to be faithful and watch for him. God's going to reveal himself to you and he will fill you with joy no matter what you're going through. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful for your work this week. God, I'm so, I'm so blown away by the message you've given to all of us this week, not just to me. It is such a joy to get to experience this together as a community. God, as we move forward this week, I ask that you would help us to face our hardships with your trust. God, that you would work in us to give us the faith and the endurance required to walk in obedience to you. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.